0: Darn, heck, shoot. These were the forbidden cuss words of my youth. And it's only because my mother is not sitting in that seat right there that I dare speak them out loud today. I was raised in a pretty structured home. There were things we could say and there were things that we couldn't say. We're in the third chapter of the book of James. Glad that you're here joining us for the study through James. Glad you're joining us online as well as we walk through James. I, th- I think my mother probably was convinced that the third chapter of James inspired one of the songs that I learned when I was just a little kid. I don't know if she taught it to me or not. Tell you the truth, I don't remember ever not knowing it. I bet most of you know it as well. Oh, be careful. Does anybody know that song? Yeah. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you've been to VBS, right? Yeah. Yeah, you still sing that in Faith Lane, by the way? No? It's probably a good thing. Okay. But we all know that song, right? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the... Is... So be careful, little mouth, what you say. Yeah, sure, we all know that. You don't even know how you know that. You just know it. You know, somewhere where that writer put in there is looking down in love. We didn't believe that, of course. We were sure God was just waiting to catch us, waiting for us to get frustrated, waiting for us to get angry, and then, you know, we'll say something wrong, and, and then God will know. Of course, as adults... I understand, and I think my mother did as well, that in the third chapter of James, this brother of Jesus is talking about something much deeper than that. Talking about something much more significant than just a kid's song. So let's go ahead, let's, let's jump into this thing. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I'm going to stop for just a second and say, no preacher wants to preach on that verse. (laughs) And I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to preach on that verse, so I'm not going to preach on that verse. But I do hope that all of us, myself included, because teachers come in a lot of different forms and fashions, I hope all of us who tell people about Jesus take seriously the words that we use. I take very seriously my responsibility of standing up here every week and talking about Jesus. I hope you do too. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And you can almost hear James chuckle as he writes that. If anyone is able to keep his tongue in check, if anyone is able to use his words completely right, he's a perfect man. And of course the implication is there are no such thing as a, as a perfect man because none of us are able to do that. Like the old preacher who's preaching on grace one day and he says, we all need grace because nobody's perfect. Then he asks the congregation, is anyone in this building perfect? And the guy in the back raises his hand. The preacher said, sir, are you saying you're perfect? The man said, no, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm raising my hand in honor of my wife's ex-husband. <laughs> you know, when we say, well, you should have seen my grandfather. I wish you knew my grandmother. I, you know, my sweet aunt Alice, my first wife, she was perfect. We know those people aren't telling the truth. No one's perfect, right? Right? James is laying some groundwork here. What he wants us to know is words matter. It matters what we say, what words we use. They have an impact. He goes on and says this, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise... The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. James is going to mention two metaphors. Uh, A bit that you put in the mouth of a horse. A rudder to steer a ship. He says both of those things are relatively small pieces of equipment, but we know what a significant impact they have. You know, the bit steers the horse. The rudder steers the ship in the same way. The words you use steer your life. The words you use have an impact on on where your life is going. Someone estimated that if an average American lives an average lifespan, they will have spoken over 860 million words in their lifetime. That's an average. Some of you are going to be way above that. Some of us are coming in a little under that mess that you know that line but an average of 860 million words that's a lot of words isn't it and it's easy to kind of rationalize and say you know most of those words are pretty insignificant most of those words don't really count for much but James wants you to know taken as a whole the words we use set the trajectory of our lives The words we use take us somewhere, lead to a life. It's where we end up. Now you think about it. It was with words that you got a job, right? It was with words that you make friends, community. It's with words that we get the girl. It's with words that we lose the guy. You know, so much of our life is dependent on the words that we choose to use. And the simple truth is, Our words can build up or our words can tear down. James says the words you use are like bits in the mouth of a horse. They're like rudders on a ship. They determine where you're headed. And James wants you to know godly speech can direct you toward blessings. Using words in a godly way, using our tongue in a godly way can lead us to blessings. No, I wonder what our families would look like. I wonder what our churches would look like. I wonder if our communities would look like if we would just decide to speak to where we want to be. If we'd make the decision to be people who talk like where we want to be, to be people who talk like who we want to be. If we would tweet grace. If we'd post joy on our social media. If we were to mutter, we, you know, mutter blessings. James 3 tells us that we can change our path when we change our words. You know, when you're stuck behind a guy in the fast lane and he's going 15 miles under the speed limit, which is my wife's pet peeve, what if you just blessed that person? Yeah. What if you just blessed that person instead of curse? God, would you bless this person who is such a terrible driver? Well, what if he did that? I heard that someone said this before he said anything, before he even thought anything. His first thought was, I love you and... And then he would go ahead and say something. I love you and... You know, get out of the hammer lane. Um, I love you. Because let's face it, it's pretty hard to curse someone once you've just acknowledged that you love them. It was a Christian. We're supposed to love everyone, right? I love you and. Again, how would our conversations change? How would our conversations change, you know, in the lobby? On the phone. At work if we begin thinking, I love you, and... What are the things that we wouldn't say that we would have said if we think to ourselves first, I love you, and... And I'm not going to say what I want to say. and Praise God when we don't. And James actually speaks to this reality in this passage. Let me, let me skip down to verse 9. We'll back up in a minute. Let me skip down to verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. How can you possibly praise God and then turn right around and curse people? James says, listen, brothers, sisters, this cannot be. And and I know some of you right now are thinking, okay, but James doesn't know my mother-in-law. And James doesn't have to spend time with my fourteen-year-old stepson, and he doesn't know my boss. No, it's tough. I know that they're made in the image of God. I get that, but the reality is the way they act a little bit more like Lord Voldemort than they are, you know, God. It's hard. Listen, James knows this. James is acknowledging this is tough. He tells us this is really hard stuff. This is something that actually no one's able to perfect, but we've got to work on it. We've got to be aware of it. This is difficult. Doing the right thing, doing things that you know, are, are, are correct, that's hard. It's just hard to do. But to be able to pause and see the image of God in another person, even if it seems you know, buried really, really deep in there, is what James is challenging us to do. You know, the beautiful thing is when we see the image of God in other people, we actually help them see the image of God in themselves. You know, we actually help that person to, to see their identity in Christ. That's why the scripture is so full of passages about encouraging one another, building each other up. You know, as a community, we're responsible for our own growth and formation, but we're also responsible for the growth and formation of each other, too. That's what this 242 thing's about, right? We're in this thing together. Let me back up to the passage I, ju- I just skipped. Verse 5. Consider what a great forest is to set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James uses another metaphor here: a fire. And a fire's ability to spread. You know, we know about a fire's ability to spread and to cause destruction. A couple weeks ago in North Florida, just very recently in North Texas. We know how quickly a fire can spread. We know how much damage uh, a fire can do. And we all have been around. Verbal arsonists before, right? We all know people who just kind of in the habit of setting little fires and watching them burn. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably played the part of a verbal arsonist before as well. And the thing about fire, once it starts, you don't know where it's going to go, and you don't know how long it's going to burn. Because I will guarantee there are people in this room, you will remember exactly where you were in the seventh grade when somebody walked up to you and said, you're ugly. (laughs) You remember the room you were in, the place in the hall where someone told you, you're fat. You're stupid. That fire has been burning for a long time, hasn't it? There's people who have had conversations with a family member 20 years ago that they can't get over That fire's still burning. People have changed their town, they've changed their church, they've changed their job, they've changed their family because of conversations that they had that they can't get past. They can't get around it. I think of my own life. Nine out of ten times when I find myself in trouble, I can trace it back to something I said because we almost always verbalize our actions before we do anything. That's why James says, you want to guide your heart? You better guard your tongue. Because those words, once spoken, they can only be forgiven. They can't be forgotten. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. But of course, James is looking far beyond even this as he writes about how we use our words James wants us to know that our words reflect our God. You know, we claim to know God. We claim to love God. We know, we understand God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. And then the words we use, the way we talk, they don't reflect grace. They don't reflect gentleness. They're not kind. They're not forgiving. We complain, we gossip, we belittle each other, we criticize. We're careful how we do it, we're Christians, right? We can get pretty passive-aggressive with the way we deal with other people. There's no kindness, there's no grace. We're we're not speaking blessings, we're speaking curses. Let me jump back, uh, revisit verse 9 here, 9 and 10. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Listen, I don't know who you're upset with today. I don't know who you're frustrated with today. I don't know who you want to put in their place. But this should not be. This should not be coming out of our mouth. Because when it does, I've got to sort of assume that one of two things is going on. Either God didn't hear what I said, God wasn't really paying attention, He was busy somewhere else, He was doing something more important than paying attention to me, but I said things in a way and God didn't really get it, or God did hear what I say, He was listening to my words, and... He's gonna let it slide. I think God's okay with it. Now I'm not okay with it when you talk to me that way, but I think God's okay with it when I talk to you that way. Several years ago, Lyle Lovett wrote a song. The song is God Will. And the words go something like this Who will forgive you when you've fallen? Who will pick you up when you've stumbled? Who will take you back when you cheat, when you lie? God will, but I won't. God does, but I don't. And that's the difference between me and God. Now, I don't know if that song is clever or tragic or funny, but I know it's true. We don't act like God, we don't speak like God. James says, brothers or sisters, this should not be. You know, There are times when our, our tongue gets the best of us. There's times when our tongue brings out the worst in us. Words matter. He goes on, verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show it by his good life, by his deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And James is going to circle back to one of his favorite themes of this book. You praise God on a Sunday and you blast somebody on a Monday. It Can't be. It's the humility, it's the kindness, the gentleness that proves our wisdom, leads to the life that we all want. And you see, in, in this passage, James is going to use another metaphor. He talks about a spring. Anybody want to guess where he borrowed that metaphor from? His brother Jesus. Yeah. Remember John chapter 4, Jesus is at a well with a Samaritan woman, and she's asking about where they should worship. You know, the Jews worship at the temple, we worship on the mountain. Remember what Jesus said to that woman? If you believe in me, if you trust me, I will give you living water. It will well up in your heart, a spring of eternal life. We believe in Jesus, right? Amen. We love Jesus. Well, if there's within us welling up in our heart and spewing out of our mouth things that are contaminated, words that are toxic, that's not eternal life. That's not Jesus. You know, as Christians we're speaking words from Jesus and for Jesus. As Christians we're speaking words from God and for God. And when our words are harsh and, and critical, we paint a picture of God that's harsh and critical. And uh, you know maybe I can, maybe I can display it and show it better than I can explain it. Um, there was a fellow quite a while ago now that was a um, motivational speaker. His name was DeForest Stories spoke a lot to youth groups, college-age groups, and he always asked the same question. And his question was, if you were able to sit down, toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye with God, and God said something to you, what do you think God would say to you? And over the years, this man kind of compiled all the uh, responses that he got to that question. And what he found was almost all the young people who responded to that question fell into one of four different categories. So this morning, I want you to imagine if that uh, supposition actually was possible. If we could sit down, toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye with God. And I'm going to need a little help for this. So I'm going to ask Daryl if he would help me. Come up here, Daryl. I didn't ask him before because I didn't think he'd say no. Here, sit right over here. Pretty hard to say no, you know, when you're in front of a bunch of people. Um, Daryl's very uh, agreeable. Thanks, Daryl. By the way, this is going to be easy for you. You're playing the part of you. You're Daryl. There's only one part left. (laughs) I today will be playing the part of God. Um, The first category, the largest group of respondents that this man asked over the years, you know, what would God say to you? The first and most common response was, I think God would be really disappointed in me. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm-mm. mm mm Daryl. Daryl. Your mother and I had such high hopes for you. You've let us down. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Don't give me that look, Daryl. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. We did so much for you. We gave you so much. And look what you've done. I hope you're happy i got to tell you, you're breaking my heart. If you thought that's what God would say to you, would you want to come to church? No. Would you want to be around other Christians? That's the first group. The second group's response was, I think God would be glad that he caught me. Kind of like the state trooper from Polk County. <laughs> Well, well, well. (laughs) What have we here? Going kind of fast there, weren't you, young man? I clocked you at 140 miles an hour. Your driving days are over. You are in trouble. Unless you beg real hard. If you beg me... If you beg me real good, I might forgive your sins. Maybe. Depends on what mood I'm in. Would you want to sing Shout Hallelujah to that God? Would you want to praise that God? The third group said... I don't think God cares anything about me. I don't think He's paying attention at all. Kind of like the lady at Walmart at customer service, right? <laughs> Next. Yes, yes, Mister, uh, uh, Mister, what's your last name? What's your last name? Last name? Alderman, Mister Alderman. Yes. Yes, thank you for being here. We're just so glad that you and your lovely wife, Peggy, uh, have been with us for a while. Um, Peggy, right? No. no? What was it? Portia. Portia, that's right, that's right. You and your wife, Portia, and your three lovely children, we're just glad that, you know, you've, is it three, right? Two. Two, Love. that's right, that's right. And, you know, you've been such a faithful, such great servants at the um, Bayside Church, Bay Area, that's right, Bay Area Church. Uh, That's San Francisco, right? Mango. Mango, mango. I don't know where that is either. (laughs) A group of people who think, God doesn't know me. God doesn't know anything about me. God doesn't care about me. Now, Where are our young people getting their image of God? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. But I think it's the fourth group that is really the saddest of all. The fourth group just said, God wouldn't say anything because I'm not sure God is real. And if He is real, He doesn't speak. So what would God say? If we could sit down toe to toe, knee to knee, eye to eye with God, what would he say? Daryl. I love you. I love you with all creation. And I can't stand the thought of you not being in heaven. So I'm going to die for you. And James would say, finish it. Because that's not what he said, that's what he did. And maybe what we need is a few less sermons. Thanks, Daryl. Maybe what we need is a few less lectures. Maybe what we need is more hugs. Maybe what we need is to wash a few more feet. Find people that we can serve. And then when we do, someone says, Wow, that's really nice. We say, That's Jesus. It's just Jesus. Use our words to build up, to bless. If we're going to guide our hearts, we better guard our tongue. Now, I've already shared with you some lyrics from two different songs. Let me close with one more set of lyrics. This is the best set of lyrics, by the way. A song by, if if you listen to any um, uh, praise and worship music on the radio, you know this song. Zach Williams sings it. It's on Martha's playlist. It seems like we hear it every time we're in the car. Um, He sings about... Not being able to be the person he wants to be. Wanting to do the right thing, not being able to do the right thing. And and the struggle that he has and the frustration of that. He talks about days that I talk a talk that I don't walk. And then he sings, somebody with a heart that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, Lord help me be. And then the chorus is his prayer to God. Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. May we as followers of the King, be a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. May we speak a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. May we serve a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. May we love a little more like Jesus a little less like me. Let's stand and sing.